It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. New men's basketball commitment, Tyler Johnson, fills a huge need for the Louisville Cardinals ahead of next season. We'll talk about that on today's episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the university and various sports. I want to thank you all again for making this your first listen of the day. Five days a week, your team every day. As I mentioned in the opener, the Louisville men's basketball program has a new commitment, Tyler Johnson, and we'll talk about why he feels a huge need at the guard position for the team next season. We'll also talk about um, what the rotation could look like now that all the scholarships are filled, and then we'll update the expectations for next year's team. But overall, this was a commitment out of left field. No one was talking about Tyler Johnson as a possible option for the Louisville men's basketball team. If you are in the um, the line of thinking that Kenny Payne and company move in silence, well, it's hard to disagree with you after this commitment. Two of the past three commitments for Louisville have been pretty much out of nowhere. Danilo Jovanovic and now Tyler Johnson both had not been mentioned seemingly at all ahead of their commitments to Kenny Payne's program. I know Trey White was a name that had been discussed, but uh, whether it was from, from national recruiting analysts to message boards, I don't really have any access to message boards, but from the people that I've talked to, wasn't necessarily any talk about Jovanovic and definitely not any talk about um, about Tyler Johnson. Johnson, a four-star prospect in the 2023 class, rated as the 77th best prospect according to the 24-7 sports composite, the 12th best point guard in the country, and the best prospect from the state of New York. And even so, kind of discussing how... Um, surprising this commitment was before he had committed to Louisville the Cardinals weren't really listed as a recruiting interest on almost any of the recruiting sites out there I mean you had programs uh, that had offered Johnson like Creighton Mississippi State NC State St. John's Pittsburgh uh, Seton Hall um, Memphis who he actually had committed to Memphis and had decommitted from the program just at the end of April. So I think it was less than a calendar month. Yeah, he decommitted on April 24th and he made a commitment to another program on or less than a month up until that point. But nonetheless, the six foot point guard from the Bronx uh, played high school ball at Our Savior Lutheran School before playing for the OSL Falcons in the overtime elite league this past season. Um, he feels a huge need at guard for the Louisville Cardinals ahead of next season. I mean, I think that it all really kind of comes down to the debate over what you believe to be a guard. And we'll talk about more uh, of that debate in the next segment of the show. And we discuss the rotation, but overall, in my opinion, Louisville still needed a depth piece at the guard position, a ball handler that can initiate offense for uh, not only himself, but for his teammates. Um, I think that Wobble has a point guard in Sky Clark, but outside of that, 
I, I believe the next point guard is is um, Hersey Miller, and Hersey Miller uh, was a walk on that was awarded scholarship ahead of last season, and he is projected to be a walk-on ahead of this season. So it seemed that Louisville still needed to address that guard play position, um, filling a need at the backup point guard role. Um, I think that uh, Tyler Johnson fills that role. When you look at what he did at the overtime elite level this past season, um, the six-foot point guard averaged, let's see, I'm trying to go to overall. There we go, 18.4 points per game. Um, that's to go along with 4.8 rebounds per game, 5.7 assists per game, 2.5 steals per contest, respectively. I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you, uh, pretty quickly. So, um, just repeat 18 points per game, five rebounds, six assists, two and a half steals roughly per game. Um, I believe it says that, um, in the playoffs, he averaged 22, seven, six and a half and two. So, Seemingly did well in the playoffs as well for overtime elite. But I will say this when you discuss the statistical averages, I'm still kind of torn on overtime elite. On one hand, I know that he's playing up against some top talent like the Thompson Twins that are probably going to be top 10 picks in the NBA draft coming up next month. You have Rob Dillingham, who, if you have been following along on social media, you will have known that he scored 30 points against Rob Dillingham's team in a victory over Dillingham's team. Um, but on the other hand, there's been you know some concerns over the overall level of talent, the overall level of basketball that's being played, uh, the overall amount of defense and team ball. Uh, some say it's sort of an extension of AAU ball in terms of development, which wouldn't necessarily bode well for overall projection to the collegiate ranks but at the same time you know you're still going up against some premier level prospects here and there but I, I think that it's a little bit of both I think that the competition at sometimes can be extremely solid I think you're you're getting some solid instruction at times but at the other end of the spectrum you also have okay well you're not necessarily playing a ton of team ball. It's a lot of uh, lackadaisical defense, so on and so forth. I think I'm in the middle of both arguments. I'm in the middle of that to where I think that ultimately it's a situation to where um, I think the film speaks for itself, both at the high school ranks, AAU, and at the overtime elite level as well. He is a player that uh, a two-way guy plays extremely solid defense, obviously going to have to add more strength only being 160 pounds. Um, but this should also put to rest the narrative of, well, Kenny Payne is only going for larger guards, guards that are over six foot five. And maybe, you know, the lack of options that he saw, maybe he's like, well, I have to go out and get a player under six foot five uh, to fill a need for next year's team, which I'm perfectly fine with. But um, overall, you watch his game. What stands out? He's not the greatest perimeter shooter, but has shown the ability to hit NBA level three point shots, he's a microwave scorer, meaning that you know he can score in bunches. He can you know increase those scoring totals pretty quickly. Uh, perimeter shot still needs some work in terms of overall efficiency and consistency. Uh, mechanically speaking, the jump shot could use a little bit more work, but I mean it's it's definitely serviceable. The highlights of his game: number one, facilitating, averaging nearly six assists per game. Um, at overtime elite, 1.6 assist to turnover ratio, which 
is pretty solid. There's potential there. There's potential to work with, which I view as extremely beneficial and encouraging. But that ability to find his teammates, he operates well in pick-and-roll situations, which I think is going to open up a lot of opportunity for the Wobble offense as a whole. Um, you're going to necessarily need uh, other guys on the team to be pretty solid shooters because I think that they're going to be able to play off what Johnson is going to be able to do operating and being the maestro of the pick-and-roll situations, uh, the pick-and-roll scenarios, so on um, and so forth. I had, a, I had someone in the YouTube comments um, uh, poke fun at me for saying so on and so forth a lot, so I'm trying to limit that to under three times. So we just burned the first um, you know, opportunity to, to say that, and hopefully I don't have to say it anymore. But nonetheless, back to the topic at hand. I think that Tyler is a very, very solid facilitator. He has solid vision, a solid feel for the half-court offense, being able to operate that pick-and-roll, being able to get by his man with that speed and that lateral quickness. Um, does have... Uh, a great um, eye for throwing alley-oops. Um, also a very flashy passer as well. But scoring the basketball is where I think there's a lot of potential as well. You look at the ability to get in the lane. I think that his shiftiness, ability to create offense off the dribble, the handles are pretty crisp as well. You also have you know that ability to shoot off the dribble, um, catch-and-shoot situations. The offensive skill set is extremely advanced in terms of scoring repertoire. Um, the ability to get to his spots in the mid-range, utilizes the mid-range, also does a good job of getting to the rim very, very quick and fast up and down the court. So excels in the transition, but also um, you know hard to stay in front of in the half-court game as well. So score with a ton of potential, with a ton of upside. Obviously, that facilitating ability is both something that I think looks extremely solid for Louisville next season. Obviously, on-ball defense, quick hands, active hands that allow him to create steal opportunities, and then obviously the attention to detail in the transition game. So um, exactly what Louisville was looking for with the final scholarship, getting a backup guard that um, obviously is going to have to be relied upon to play Pretty decent minutes, um, but able to create for himself, create for others. Um, I'm extremely excited to see um, what Tyler Johnson or what his role looks like at the next level. But I think to get a better understanding of that, you have to look at the rotation as a whole. So we're going to predict how Louisville's rotation could fill out here in the next segment after we talk about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need to try the best-tasting protein bar ever. Built, it has so many great features from not only being as healthy as a protein bar, and if you don't believe me, you can go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. But get this, it's covered in 100% real chocolate. All of the products are so you get that um, protein, or not the protein, you get the candy bar taste as well. A wide variety of flavors from churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, and more. I'm not sure how Built does it, but they seemingly get the best of both worlds. Traditionally, you've had to get them at Built.com. Not any longer. If you go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can grab a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut buff. But if you're more of a, of a goer to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brown batter puff and churro puff you can thank me later 
It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thanks again, everyone, for making Locked On Louisville your first listen every day. Every day is the next episode of the show. We'll be diving into two new commitments for the Louisville football team, Joey Gatewood from Central Florida in the transfer portal, and a new football commitment, Trent Carter, linebacker in the Flyville 24 class. So be sure to stay tuned for the next episode. But nonetheless, heading on into the next segment of the show, discussing what the possible rotation looks like now that seemingly all of the scholarships are filled for the Louisville men's basketball team ahead of the 2023-24 season. Um, let's. I know that we talked about this probably right after the Danilo Jovanovic commitment, and I said the starting lineup is still up in the air in terms of what it could look like, and I still think that to be true. But I, I think I have a different idea of what this, the starting lineup is going to look like at this point in time. I think the starters, you're looking at Sky Clark, uh, you're looking at Trenton Flowers, Trey White, one of J.J. Trainer and Emmanuel Okorafor, and Brandon Huntley Hatfield. I think that um, you could probably you could possibly substitute Mike James, excuse me, for Trey Flowers. Uh, I think that it's really one A one B. It'll depend on um, you know whether or not Kenny Payne goes with a veteran to start the season, or if he goes with a five star level freshman. Nonetheless, I think that Sky Clark, Trey White, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, and for this exercise, I'm going to say JJ Trainer are probably locks at this point in time to start for Louisville, in my opinion. And then you have, obviously, one of uh, Trey Flowers and um, – I'm sorry, Trenton Flowers. I keep calling him Trey Flowers. I don't know why I'm doing that. Trenton Flowers. Sorry, I, I got uh, Trenton Flowers and Trey White's name mixed up. But Trenton Flowers, my apologies to Trenton. But nonetheless, I, I think you get the picture. Uh, Trey, um, Trey White – Trenton Flowers and Mike James, I think you're getting a combination of those three that are going to start. I think Trey White's going to start having started 29 games for USC last season. And then you have one of Flowers or Mike James. I'm going to say Flowers for this exercise. Obviously, this could change. But at this point in time, I'm going to say Flowers. But this is where things get interesting is finding out what that second rotation is going to look like. Because let's face it, not all of the scholarship players are going to play a rotation. They're not going to play in the rotation. I will say that I think Dennis Evans is in the mix there. I think Akorafor is in the mix. Uh, Karan Davis, and now you have um, Tyler Johnson. I think those four are also slated to be in the rotation. Outside of that, it's going to be a very interesting situation. Is it Caleb Glenn? Is it Danilo Jovanovic? Is it Curtis Williams Jr.? Or is it any of those three? Could it be to where, you know, 
you're seeing Caleb Glenn and Curtis Williams Jr. potentially redshirt because of the players that are ahead of them. Uh, is there more urgency for Danilo Jovanovic to play more since he redshirted last year? Or is it one of those where it's kind of up in the air? I think that the other four that we talked about, um, I think that Karan Davis, um, Tyler Johnson, J.J. Trainer slash Emmanuel Corfor and Dennis Evans are going to be solidly in the rotation as well. If you made me choose... Who's going to be, um, you know, if there was going to be one of the three remaining players to get into the mix, I think it's going to be a guy like Caleb Glenn because um, I've seen Caleb grow and develop his game each and every year in high school. Now, granted, he went to Wallumere for his senior season, so I didn't get an up-close look at his game considering that um, I announced for Mail and he played for Mail for for. Three seasons, not four seasons, but three seasons, freshman through junior year. As a freshman, he was pretty much squarely a rim protector, lived around the basket. Sophomore year, you saw him, um, you know, expand that range, sort of be more of a tertiary ball handler, uh, operated as the ball handler in transition at times. And junior year, he played more of a secondary ball handler, got the ball in his hands at the top of the key, let him facilitate, let him drive to the basket. The three-point shot got better. The handles got better. And then La Lumiere's senior season, the three-point shot got better. Um, You know, the handles are gaining a little bit tighter. Um, You're starting to see him have a, um, you know, a better – Ability to facilitate, and obviously that strength is still there as the potential rebounder. I think that um, you know Caleb is a tweener as a prospect. He's not necessarily a shooting guard, but he's not necessarily a true power forward as well. Sort of uh, has a wing skill set, but playing as sort of a small ball four as well. So I think that you could see him playing a role of a high energy player off the bench that excels in rebounding the basketball, um, kind of playing off of the opponent. Uh, not the opposing, but the uh, the res- responding respective ball carriers on the court of uh, operating in the pick and roll. Um, if that three point shot is falling, I see him playing a lot more time. I think that he still needs to develop offensively. Um, you know the overall skill set. I think that Curtis Williams, um, you know, has the ability to handle the ball uh, as maybe at tops a secondary ball handler. I think he's more of a wing, however. Um, I think he has a solid ability to defend, which could see him see the court quicker, Um, although I think Caleb can defend as well. Um, And then you have the opportunity to, you know, have a solid three-point shot as well. And then you have Danilo uh, Jovanovic, who in high school showed the ability to uh, score in the mid-range, the ability to get to the basket three-point shot as well. an underrated ability to facilitate. So you have those three players that you're sort of looking at as the possible remainder of the rotation. But you also have to wonder, is Hersey Miller going to see some time? He saw some time last year for Louisville, uh, was slated to be the backup unless Louisville added another guard, which they did in Tyler Johnson. Does Hersey Miller see some time? And I think that you're going to see him you know, in certain situations, play some, especially if, if players are in foul trouble. So I think you have nine solid members of the rotation. And then outside of that, I think you have four players that could be redshirt candidates. I don't necessarily think that Jovanovic is a player that's going to redshirt. I think that of the three, you know, potentially Kenny Payne looks to him. 
um, as a player that you know is going to be relied upon earlier, considering that he has a year in the college uh, atmosphere, in the landscape, um, in the uh, college weight room. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But overall, I'm interested to see how this rotation fills out for the Louisville Cardinals. Um, but nonetheless, all scholarships are filled, and the rotation is subject to change. But one thing that does not change is the expectations for next year's team. They didn't change on March 1st. They have not changed on May 22nd. We're going to talk about what those expectations are, why they haven't changed here in just a moment after we talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So many great things about betting on FanDuel. They have the promotions daily. It's a safe and secure app to use, and you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on all of the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash on. And get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Okay, going on into the final segment of the show, we're talking about expectations for next year's team. They didn't change then. They aren't changing now. It simply is to make the NCAA tournament. The Cardinals have not made the tournament since 2019. I know there are people who say, well, Dalton, never going to make it in 2020. Yeah, well, there wasn't a tournament in 2020. So, you know, it's it's hard to continue to talk about that because nobody made the tournament that year. But the Cardinals have missed the NCAA tournament outright the past three seasons. Um, so the objective with the amount of playing time that was available – with you know the amount of scholarships that the team had, with the name that Louisville brings to the equation, the expectation should have been, or needs to be, this upcoming season, making the NCAA tournament. And here's why. I think that if you suggest otherwise, you're doing the Louisville brand a disservice, in my opinion. I look at Louisville as a blue blood program. Now, granted, it doesn't seem like that over the past half decade or so, but I think when you look back, since the 1980s, Louisville has been a blue blood program. And if you argue that, well, chances are you're either a Kentucky fan or you don't have an idea about Louisville basketball. So nonetheless, that's a conversation for a different day. I think with the scholarships available, with the amount of playing time and the amount of you know responsibility open, before Louisville got any of these commitments – you had the opportunity at a place like Louisville with the facilities that they have, with the name brand recognition, with the playing time available at a Power 5 school that is a prominent name in college basketball in a very um, you know, crazy, um, fanatic 
area that is the state of Kentucky, you should be able to build a team that is good enough to go to the NCAA tournament, and that should be the expectation. Um, now, I will say that I, I'm hearing this, this narrative floating around that, well, you can't necessarily say that because of how young the team is. And I think that there's a problem with, with, with that rebuttal. I mention that to say this. You can't bring in as many freshmen as you have, as many young guys as you, as you have, with the scholarships available, with the one-time transfer rule uh, in application, and you being able to go out and getting a lot of productive players from the college ranks. You can't use that as an excuse. You can't use youth as an excuse for not making the NCAA tournament when this roster is the result of your roster building. And I'm not saying that they're doing that. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen. But I'm hearing that narrative floating around. And I want to go ahead and I want to talk about that on May 22nd because I don't agree with it. I think that it is moving the goalposts. I think that it is becoming complacent. And no way, am I, in no way, shape, or form am I saying that this is going to happen and that you know um, this is going to be the narrative. But I have to talk about it. But let's be honest, Louisville has added some very talented players. They've done the job of overhauling the talent on this roster. Now it's a matter of making these pieces fit, making the players work together, developing that cohesion. Because looking at the roster, you have one, two, three, four, five, let's see, six, seven players, seven of these 12 scholarship players, well, actually six, that have not played a single Division One college basketball minute in college basketball. Also, Sky Clark and Danilo Jovanovic have not played a full season. So you have Mike James, Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, Emmanuel Acorfor. Well, actually, Emmanuel Acorfor hasn't necessarily uh, played a full season either. He played half of a season. So you have J.J. Trainer, Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, Mike James are the only three players on next year's team that have played a full season of Division I Power 5 college basketball. There's a lot of inexperience. There's a lot of talent. I think that this is probably one of, on paper, one of the most talented Louisville teams. This is probably the most talented Louisville team on paper since um, the Patino days. I'll be honest with you. I think it is. I think on paper, it's the most talented that they've been. Now, maybe you say that 2020 is more talented on paper, but with the star level ratings on this year's team, um, I, I think I would give the edge to 2023-24. Granted, it's now on the coaching staff to develop those players, to get them to play together, to define their role, and to coach them to be able to play that role. And that's where, you know, that's what the focus is on ahead of next season. I'm excited to see how this coaching staff uh, develops these players. The expectation does not change. You can't use youth as an excuse. And I'm not – look, I know that this is going to be taken the wrong way. And I'm going ahead and I'm repeating what I'm saying over and over. I'm not saying that it's going to be used as an excuse. But it can't be if it were to be by a portion of the fan base saying, well, you have to be patient. You know, the team was only a couple wins better, but they're still young. You you don't have the luxury of saying that with the one-time transfer rule, with the um, talent on the team, 
and with the opportunity to go out and get productive level players, but you opted for high school players. I don't, I'm not saying that it was the right or wrong decision. I'm just speaking facts, and that is that Kenny Payne's team is going to be pretty young and inexperienced for next season. And it might take him a little while to get going, but I still think that the expectation should be for a program like Louisville with an opportunity to essentially turn over the majority of the roster in one offseason and get legitimately immediate productive players for next season. You, This is your roster, and the expectation should remain the same. That's just all I'm saying. And people will say, well, that's not fair to the coaching staff. I I. I don't think that that's the case. I think that this is a very talented roster. I'm extremely excited to see this team on the court. I'm excited to see what the roles are for um, a handful of respective players. I'm excited to see what the rotation looks like. I think Kenny Payne did his job in transforming this roster. Now we will see how well these pieces fit together, how well these players play together. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to see what Kenny Payne and company can do with the with their roster. It's their roster now. They went out and they got the pieces that they feel are going to help them succeed and bring Louisville back to the place where they need to be. And I'm excited to see how this all unfolds. I hope that you know this time next season we're recapping a very successful season. And um, I have you know. Hope and I have faith that um, you know this team with this talent can you'll have a solid season, and I'm excited to see what that looks like for this team. So um, we'll continue to talk about basketball um, as this as the off season goes along. Won't be too much talk considering that the the roster's filled out seemingly, um, and then uh, unless there's 2024 basketball news, which there could be, so uh, we'll talk about that when the time comes. But That's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here very soon. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.